Leave the gun. Take the cannoli. Welcome to tonight's Dr. Zeus Film Podcast. Grab your nuts, because it's going to get deep. If you don't know what film that is, have you been living under a fucking rock? I actually know people who have never seen the movie. My mother read the book, along with millions of others, written by Mario Puzo, who went on to do science fiction. The Godfather. Released 50 years ago. Directed by Francis Ford Coppola. This is, it was a cast of many unknowns, including Al Pacino, Diane Keaton. Who else? <laughs> yeah. I mean, Duvall, Duvall was not really known either. I mean, Duvall had done THX, but it's not good for business. <laughs> it was, this was a long saga. It lasted three films. People to this day try to replicate the formula that the Godfather, I mean, you know, the head, the horse head in the bag. That's why when people tell me they've never seen it, I'm like, what? You've never seen it? What? And it, and it's shocking to me because then it's like, how do, if, if they watch like a, com, a a satire, how do they know about it? How do they know? And you, 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 Fredo, you broke my heart. And, and the, the essence of Martin, you know, Marlon Brando refused that Oscar. Sashin Littlefeather went up, gave her speech. Marlon Brando, whoa. The film itself won Best Picture, Best Actor. Godfather 2 was massive, but Godfather 1, that got the whole shit underway. Respect. He had come to me in friendship. 
Legendary moment, and he's and he's holding the cat. Probably the best prop in all the film. And you know there is a lot of mythology. That's the thing about film and music, really today, that it's lost. It's lost the mythology, the mythology of the Godfather, the stories, Brando. Putting his lines on billboards and then later on in the 80s having, you know, someone, uh, his assistant read his lines to him in an earpiece. The Godfather is a legendary film. It is legendary. It has been parodied. It has been analyzed and it has been overanalyzed. And, and it was almost a movie that didn't happen. It was released in March of 1972. Directed by Francis Ford Coppola. Screenplay by Mario Puzo. Francis Ford Coppola. Based on The Godfather by Mario Puzo. Produced by Albert S. Ruddy. Who also produced Million Dollar Baby. Has won the Academy Award for Best Picture for both of those films. This is, I mean, Marlon Brando, Al Pacino, James Caan, Richard Constanello, Cast, I'm going to keep that in. Castellano. Castellano, Robert Duvall, Sterling Hayden, John Marley, Richard Conti, Diane Keaton. Music by Nino Rota. And, you know, his father did the score for the, for the second film. This, this is a legendary film. I first caught wind of it. I think I was in my 20s. My mother would watch it. And I remember we were outside playing one day. And I come in and she's taking the videotape out of the VCR. Remember VCRs? And it was a white cassette. And there were two of them. And I started to put two and two together and realized, oh, that's the Godfather. Yeah. A lot has been said about the Godfather. Those who were there. You think you think of France in the 1970s belonged to Coppola, Spielberg, Scorsese, George Lucas. You know, a lot of people don't know that right after Godfather, Francis Ford Coppola produced um, American Graffiti. So he wasn't just a powerful director, he was also a powerful producer. And The Godfather, The Godfather is it is the pantheon of films. And the second one also, you get a whiff of really what it means to be an American because you show that journey from Corleone in Italy to America and seeing the Statue of Liberty. So those whom I know, who remain nameless, who have never seen The Godfather, it's an American story. I think people think, oh, it's just an Italian story about the mob. No. Oh, it's much deeper than that. Extraordinary person to work with, but it was it was magical. It wasn't you didn't talk acting stuff with him. He'd come in and go, uh, and that meant where is the shot? And 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 uh, he he and I would work with him through props. I would put little salami out or 
or I would, I would take a cat and just put, but not words. I would never talk about acting stuff. He would hate it if I talked about, you know, kind of acting talk. But I always worked with props and, you know, kind of offered him things that might help him in his... Uh, but he was a man of incredible intelligence, aside from acting, just as a, as a human being. What he was interested in, what he talked about, what he observed, he was pretty remarkable. The studio didn't want Brando. And, oh, no, they, 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 I was told by the president of Paramount Pictures, Francis, Marlon Brando will not appear in this movie, and I forbid you, as president of Paramount, to bring his name up again. <laughs> and at which time I fell on the floor in a faint, and I, like, had a, you know, I did it deliberately, and they said, what? I said, well, if I can't even talk about it, then how, what kind of director am I? He said, okay, you can talk about it. And then they said to me, finally, okay, we give you three conditions for Brando. One, he does the film for free. <laughs> Two, he does a screen test. And three, he puts up a million dollar bond. So if any misbehaving on the set happens, he is underwritten. He is under I said, I accept. So that's what I had. I had that uh, he had to do it for nothing. He had to do a screen test. How was I going to get Mullen Brand to do a screen test? And he had to put up a bond. So I went, I talked to Brando. I didn't know Brando, but, you know, I think he was pretty down and out. He had been in a film called Quemada, Burn, which by Ponte Corvo, who made the great Battle of Algiers. And he was like so not in favor that they really thought that if he were in the movie, it would be worse than if an unknown were in the movie. So with Brando, I talked to him knowing he was an actor. I said, you know, I said, you're playing an Italian. Maybe you would like to fool around a little and improvise some things to see if you could get the essence of an Italian. He was only 47 years old and, and the character Godfather is in his 60s. So he, on the phone, I think he said yes, he, he would do that. And I made a date with him to go to his house uh, and, and, and shoot a little, uh, and do a little improvisation. So I got there very early with two or three of my friends from San Francisco, and they were like ninjas. I said, Marlon Brando does not like loud noise. I had heard that. He wears even earplugs. And so I want no one to make noise. We're going to go there, and we'll do hand signals like ninja, set up the camera, and be ready for him. So we went to his house there on Mulholland Drive, and uh, it was early, he wasn't up. The maid was there with this beautiful little baby, about one or two years old, I remember. And uh, we set up our cameras, and I had a little, in those days, little Sony Handycam that I had with me that was new at the time. And uh, sure enough, there's a rumble, and he's gonna come, and the door opens, and out walks this beautiful man with long blonde hair and a Japanese robe, and I'm shooting him. And I say, good morning, and uh, you know? <laughs> And, and uh, he, he, you know, he was as sharp as a tack. He knew everything. He looked around, he saw the ninjas, and he knew I was filming him. This was, quote, the screen test. But I had brought, like, some sazich and some provolone and some uh, Toscano cigars, and I had put these props around. And he came out, and he looked at all this, and he figured out what was going on. And he took his hair, and he did his hair up. He had very long blonde hair. And he did it up in a kind of thing himself in the back. And he took shoe polish and he, he made it black. And then he put on a shirt and he remember him saying, hey, those guys, uh, the lapel has always got a crooked part, you know. And he did that. He made the lapel and he started to do that. And then he said, you know, he, he was shot in the throat. In the book, he was shot in the throat. So he, he talks like that, maybe. And I said, yeah, you know, I'm filming. <laughs> And then he said, he should look like a build bulldog. And he took some Kleenex and he put the Kleenex, uh -huh, uh, like that. And then he started, like, acting, but not saying anything. And it was in his house. And, and I'm shooting, and we're all shooting, and he starts going, <laughs> and the phone rings. His phone rings over here. I don't know who was calling him, but he goes, <laughs> So, at any rate, it was a miraculous transformation. It was the birth of that character. So I figured I was going to play my cards. I wasn't going to show it to the President of Paramount Pictures. I went to New York with the videotape, 
and I went to the office of Gulf and Western. Charlie Bluthorn was the head of the company, and he was the big boss. And I knocked on his office. I had set up a tape recorder in the conference room near his office, and I said to say, Mr. Does Mr. Bluthorn have five minutes that I could show him something? And and, and he knew me. I mean. Charlie Bluthorn, uh, it was Church of England, but he had a Viennese accent, and he talked like, Francis, what are you doing, you crazy Francis? <laughs> so he sees me, and he says, well, what is it? I said, Charlie, could I just show you something? And he comes out, and he looks, I turn on the video thing, and there is this guy with blonde hair, and Charlie Bluthorn said, no, no, absolutely, that's incredible. <laughs> And I and when he said that's incredible, and it was incredible, he, I knew that if Charlie Bluthorn okayed it, then it would okay, and that's how he got the part. They forgot about the million-dollar bond, but they didn't hardly pay him anything. They paid him like a hundred and twenty thousand dollars. And fat. And the big thing with Brando, you know, Brando was hired for three weeks, a million dollars a week, and he showed up, as you know, relatively very, very big. So I didn't know how to costume him. I said, well, they don't make green beret uniforms in size XXXXX. <laughs> so how am I, uh, you know, how am I going to dress him? And, uh, and then he wanted to talk, and, we, and he's such a genius. He's talking about termites. <laughs> we're going to pull away because I think that goes into Apocalypse Now. We're talking about The Godfather. That is Francis Ford Coppola talking about how he, you know, because the studio originally didn't want Paramount didn't. In fact, there is a a TV movie coming out, kind of like an FX. You know how when they did that thing about Betty Davis and Joan Crawford, they're doing something similar about The Godfather because of uh, the the mythology. The the there's just something legendary about this film. People people have been talking about this film for 50 years. I, I also want to talk about, you know, you've got... Uh, it is a family affair, The Godfather. I think a lot of people, you know, not just the movie itself, but the production. Because you've got... Hold on. I'm not going to do it. Okay. Right over here. Let's see. Ah. Talia Shire, who was, who is Francis Ford Coppola's sister in real life. You know, she was Adrian in um, Rocky. And then the late, the, this actor was amazing. John Cazale. John Cazale. Who played Fredo was in Apocalypse or no, he wasn't Apocalypse now, was in Godfather One and Two, was in Dog Day Afternoon. What's the other one? The Deer Hunter died soon after, was in a relationship with Meryl Streep. Very legendary actor. You know, three best picture winners. It was an ensemble cast. You know, there were a lot of unknowns in this film. It went on to do really big things. And then you've got James Caan, who plays Sonny. And Sonny originally is, you know, the next Don. But even even the father's like, oh, no, Sonny. <laughs> And, and Sonny is a hothead. And I, I want this to... Is, this is on topic. Just mention that something... You know, Paul Mooney said something really interesting about this. How James Conn's character says, Oh, we'll just sell it to the N-words. When they were talking about drugs and the Godfather. And I always had an issue with that too. So we're... Well, we're not going to play that. <laughs> it's a legendary film. But at the heart of it... Is Al Pacino. Al Pacino plays Michael Corleone. Michael Corleone, this legendary character. You think of the life 
that he really leads from the fir- f- from the first film. It's totally different. Nobody's kissing the ring yet. They're kissing his dad's ring. But Michael has kind of pulled away from the family. And, you know, even Marlon Brando's like, a man who, who doesn't spend time with his family is not a man. Yeah. There are so many legendary moments in The Godfather. And, you know, Pacino, Pacino received his first of many Oscar nominations for Godfather 1. He was nominated for Best Supporting Actor. And then later, he, you know, was nominated in the second film as Best Actor. Years later, won for Best Actor for... Um, Scent of a Woman. That was year, years coming. I mean, talk about a long time coming. So, I, you know, in terms of the, the, the story itself, it's the father, it's the family, and it's Michael. Not Michael Jackson, but Michael Corleone. And how the second film really, it seems to mirror the father and the son at the same time. Years apart from their ascensions to the top if I can play it having technical difficulties as oh here we go because I had it synced up and if it will play it here we go You want to meet him? Huh? Oh, well, sure. My father helped him in his career. Oh, my God. He did? How? I have but one. Let's listen to the song. No, Michael. This heart I bring. I have but one heart to share. Let's pause Johnny Fontaine for a moment. It's evident who Johnny Fontaine is in the film. Sinatra denied it. I think toward the end of his life, Sinatra wanted to deny everything. But that really is Sinatra. Well, that character is playing a Sinatra type. Because that's what really happened. Let's drop the T right here. Everyone knows the story. Sinatra wanted to be in From Here to Eternity. Someone wouldn't let him in. So he called in a few favors. Or in Sinatra's, a few favors. Well, when Johnny was first starting out, he was signed to this personal service contract with a big band leader. And as his career got better and better, he wanted to get out of it. Now, Johnny is my father's godson. And my father went to see this band leader. And he offered him $10,000 to let Johnny go. But the band leader said no. So the next day, my father went to see him, only this time with Luca Brazzi. Within an hour, he signed a release for a certified check of $1,000. How did he do that? My father made him an offer he couldn't refuse. What was that? Luca Brazzi held a gun to his head, and my father assured him that either his brains or his signature would be on the contract. And that is Al Pacino talking to an unknown at the time. He was not unknown also. Diane Keaton, who was playing Kay, who who would soon be his wife. 
and he is Michael Corleone talking about the family business at his sister's wedding. How do you tell an outsider, well, my father is part of the mafia. My father is Don Vito Corleone, the godfather. And without Don Vito, Johnny Fontaine wouldn't have the acclaim and the roles that he so desperately wants. It's weak. Anyway, uh, if I had this part in the picture, you know, it puts me right back up on top again. But this, uh, this man out there, he won't give it to me. The head of the studio, Waltz, Waltz, he, he won't give it to me. And uh, he says, there's no chance, no chance. A month ago, he bought the movie rights to this book, the bestseller. And the main character is a guy just like me. Who I, uh, you know, I wouldn't even have to act, just be myself. Godfather, I don't know what to do. I don't know what to do. You can act like a man. What's the matter with you? Is this how you turn down a Hollywood Pinocchio that uh, cries like a woman? <laughs> what can I do? What can I do? What is that now? Thank you. You spend time with your family? Sure I do. Good. Because a man who doesn't spend time with his family can never be a real man. Mm. You look terrible. I want you to eat. I want you to rest well, and a month from now, this Hollywood big shot's gonna give you what you want. It's too late. They start shooting in a week. I'm gonna make him an offer he can't refuse. Now, in that moment, we hear those iconic phrases I'm going to make an Amalfa, he can't refuse. And, you know, you can act like a man. What's the matter with you? And how Brando does that. Now, remember, this is the mythology of Brando and this film. Brando had his lines all over the room and probably on a billboard that he could see outside the window because Pacino talked about that. And even James Caan talked about that. They'd be outside and... Brando's obviously looking up at the billboard for his lines because he always, I don't know if it was, you know, he, it was, he was a method actor, but at the same time, he's searching for the lines, okay? <sighs> a lot happened in this film. I mean, the actors, the characters, this, this, this is... An American, it, it it's an American original. It's there's a tr- there's tragedy, there is so much going on in this saga. It lasted three films. I mean, you think of the the characters, and you think of, uh, but at at the center of it is is Al Pacino's Mark Michael Corleone. Al Pacino really rose to the occasion. And I wanted to play a clip of, you know, Al Pacino's family is is from Corleone, um, Sicily. Or is it Sicily? Wait. Because he was on Inside the Actor's Studio and he talked about that and and a lot of people didn't know that Al Pacino knew that in terms of okay let's see uh yep uh his grandparents were Italian immigrants from Corleone Sicily so it was almost he was destined to play the part of Michael Corleone 
And this is uh, Pacino talking about the audition for The Godfather. On Broadway, I said this kid would be terrific for this. And, you know, I mean, we we talked about it, you know, informally. You see, I'm not I'm not saying there's Sonny, you know, and, and saying Sonny, you know, or you know, or Freddie, come here, I'd like you to meet. Uh, I'm not, not doing sure that. I'm how far father. to go? So he does it in this very indirect way. He doesn't say, "Look, my father is a criminal, a gangster who has been shot," and he kind of tells her little anecdotes. And at first, right. it's nice, even when you're, it's lighter, it's fine. But the scene is a serious scene. When I read The Godfather, whenever I would see the character of Michael, two, I saw Al's face. Luca Brasi held a revolver against Hallie's head, and. My father told Hallie that either his signature or his brains would be on the contract. He wasn't a star, uh, which was not pleasing to the executives uh, at that time. He didn't look like stars look like at that time in the, the business. So that when they were suggesting, you know, like Ryan O'Neill or, or uh, Robert Redford could be like a northern Italian, I already had Al's face in, in grain. Michael, why are all these people bothering your father on a day like this? Oh, that's because they know what? that no Sicilian can refuse any request. For some reason, they, they were not happy with Al's test. But I knew Francis wanted Al. And 104. Action. I was aware that they didn't want me and um, at one point, I, I, and it was actually, you know, it seemed okay, finally. I thought, Francis, look, I mean, we'll do another movie together. I was relatively young, so I didn't know quite, I thought, well, maybe they were all like this. You know, they get all, I, I had seen movies about Hollywood. I thought maybe that's why all the screen tests. Well, this is a slow wedding. This isn't a wedding. <laughs> one night, I got a call from Francis, who was in New York, and he said, uh, Jimmy, and I could tell from his voice, this was not his idea. Jimmy, uh, uh, why don't you come in and test? I said, test what? What, do you got a Porsche? You want me to drive around the block? What do you want? Test what? He said, please, uh, they want you to play Michael. What? Please. I, so I went in. On 68. Action. Michael, hmm? why are all those people bothering your father on a day like this? Oh. Well, that's because they know no Sicilian can refuse a request on his daughter's wedding day. Oh, good. I don't think you can name an actor that wasn't there. They were all sitting around on cement floors <laughs> from 7 in the morning to late at night. Guys with, you know, some guys talk like this, you know, I mean, that guy's from all over the world. I, I... They tried to kill him, my father. They did. They nearly did. Mr. Uh, Brazzi went after them. And so the story goes. The story goes that he killed six men in two weeks. He killed six men in two weeks. Six men in one week. And he kept sneaking Al in, you know? At the end of the day, he kept testing Al, testing Al, you know? <laughs> it kept happening a lot. I, I, and it was countless. I, I, they went on and on. I remember saying at the time, you know, I, I just don't respond well to uh, being around where I'm not wanted. Well, anyway, he just stayed with it. It was his tenacity and uh, that, that got me in there. Luca Brazzi held a gun to his head and my father assured him that either his brains or his signature would be on the contract. That's a true story. And a little point of memorabilia, that was Marsha Lucas, who was the editor, George's wife, who cut those tests all together. And she told me that she said, cast Al Pacino because he undresses you with his eyes. Marcia said that. Yeah. Right. And Diane said, I said to Diane, I said, Diane, which one do you want? She said, Al. I knew Diane before the um, um, test. We had a kind of immediate like for each other. And Francis, I think, recognized that and thought that that would be useful in the picture. Me. You don't want me to marry you. Oh, I, that's very clever, but 
I saw her in a movie called Lovers and Other Strangers, and I just, two things, I just thought she was just, I just liked her myself, I thought she was a cute woman, you know, I just was attracted to her, but also because she was so eccentric and kind of weird in a way, her delivery, that I thought this character of Kay could be like really straight, boring character, and that maybe Diane would bring some eccentricity to it. Fredo, my brother Fredo, this is Kay Adams. So what I'm saying is that they spent $400,000 or so on tests and wound up with the four corned beef sandwiches. They... So in those screen tests, you can hear James Kahn, Diane Keaton, Al Pacino, and Martin Sheen. Now, Martin Sheen, James Kahn were both screen testing for the role of Michael Corleone. But it ended up going to Al Pacino. Everyone except the studio and the bigwigs wanted Pacino. Ryan O'Neill's name was mentioned in there. I don't think so. Homie, don't play that. And here we are 50 years later and everyone remembers Michael Corleone in The Godfather and everyone remembers what great acting oh oh. I want to take you to the most legendary scene this is where Michael goes from this war veteran this hero of the family this bookworm who does not want anything to do with the family business okay and what happens things change and and it begins with something very serious Now, John Cazell, who plays Fredo, I read something very interesting where, you know, he didn't have what Michael had, what Sonny had. (sighs) He didn't have it. And so in that moment, when he goes to get the gun, it's too late. They've shot his father, Vito Corleone. And throughout this, she's, and, and also he's crying like a little child. And that was the thing. There was always a fragility to Fredo. And that le- and, and, and sadly, that leads to, I think, his undoing in the second film. Is um, how, how John Cazell played him. John Cazell was such a great actor. And... Um, wanted to the the whole film itself 
I wanted to play these are these are legendary clips. Now Vito Corleone is in the hospital. A lot of people are trying to take him out. And so Enzo, the baker, isn't that, yeah, the baker has come to pay his respects. And what happens is wrong place, wrong time, because people are trying to finish the job. They, they thought they'd killed Vito Corleone. They didn't finish the job. So when you don't finish the job, you know, it's like, well, you guys got to go back. Now that's legendary Sterling Hayden. Sterling Hayden had been around a long time. And I think that was toward the end of his career. A lot of the actors that Coppola assembled for The Godfather, this was either like Brando. Brando Brando was really in bad straits at this point. Nobody wanted to hire him. Okay? And then at the same time, you have these up-and-comers. Even Robert Duvall. Robert Duvall had done television. He'd done a couple of... You know, he'd done, of course, To Kill a Mockingbird. That's his debut. But and it was The Godfather that really... You think of all of these... Especially the... I don't like to call them supporting. Because they're all... That, that screen time is equal for everybody. Um... But when it came to James Caan and Robert Duvall, I mean, and, and, you know, Duvall is playing Tom Hagen and um, James Caan is playing Sonny Corleone, who is, who is 
the uh, heir apparent to the Godfather title. But even the father's like, oh, sunny, bad dawn. Hundred men on the street, twenty-four hours a day. That Kirk shows one hair on his ass, he's dead. Hey, Michael, come here. Let me look at you. Look beautiful. It's beautiful. It's gorgeous. Hey, listen to this. The Turk, he wants to talk. You got you imagine a nerve on this son of a bitch, eh? Craps out last night. He wants a meeting today. What did he say? What did he say? But the beep, but the bap, the boop, but the beep. He wants us to send Michael to hear the proposition. And the promise is that the deal is so good that we can't refuse. Hey, what about Bruno Tatali? It's part of the deal. Bruno cancels out what they did to my father. Something we ought to hear what they have to say. No, 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 no more. Not this time, Consigliere. No more meetings, no more discussions, no more Salazzo tricks. You give him one message, I want Salazzo. Not at all out war, we go to the Some back. Some of the other families won't sit still. They hand me Salazzo. Your father wouldn't want to hear this. This is business, not personal. They shot my father. Even the shooting of your father was business, not personal, Sonny. Well, then business will have to suffer, all right? Hey, listen, do me a favor, Tom. No more advice on how to patch things up. Just help me win, please, all right? I found out about this Captain McCluskey who broke Mike's jaw. What about Now, he's definitely on Shalazzo's payroll and for big money. See? McCluskey has agreed to be the Turk's bodyguard. What you have to understand, Sonny, is that while Shalazzo is being guarded like this, he is invulnerable. Now, nobody has ever gunned down a New York police captain, never. It would be disastrous. All the five families would come after you, Sonny. The Corleone family would be outcast. Even the old man's political protection would run for cover. So do me a favor. Take this into consideration. Now, they're talking about... They need to get rid of the cop. And then they need to get rid of the other guy within the family who... The other family who organized the hit on Vito Corral. I'm not going to show the head and the horse back. This is a film podcast, but an audio podcast. And how can I show you the head and the, everyone knows about the head and the horse, the horse and the horse head in the bag and the pillowcase. Everybody knows about that. You know, he made him an offer. He couldn't refuse. That's why I'm, I'm, I'm still stunned by people who have never seen the film and yet talk about great film. And I'm like, wait a minute. You fuckers have never seen The Godfather? And, and and some people, I think it's because they think, oh, it's just about Italians and the mob. No, it's about family. It's also about what happens when you go outside the family. Because remember, they always he he would always say, never tell the fa- never tell anyone outside the family what you're talking or thinking here. Now, I was gonna do uh, like. Sh- play a, a scene analysis of that legendary scene that we're going to lead up to this really is the film this scene right here this is the this is the film I frisked him he's clean don't take too long I frisked a thousand young bones pause it because what's going to happen you cannot hear if you've seen this film you know what I'm talking about the other actors are talking 
and then snap shit breaks loose and Michael Corleone is preparing for what's about to go down because this is this is a part of the family business he's never been a part of until now So in that aspect, Michael is a made man. He's been made. We all know the lingo. He has whacked two people. Okay? And himself. He didn't send anyone else to do it. He did it. He whacked the cop that beat the shit out of him. And then he whacked uh, Salazzo and McClensky. Okay, Salazzo is the other guy from the other family. I'm not going to play too much of the film, but what I am going to play for you is what happened the next year after the film came out. And we know what happened. Here we go. Albert S. Ruddy, Godfather. <laughs> Don't fail me now. Okay, man. We're all getting nervous there for a moment. Let me do this quickly in two parts because I know it's past midnight in New York and some of my relatives want to go to sleep. There are a number of people I would like to thank, as everyone else would, because they deserve it. Bob Evans for giving more than any studio head should in time and creativity. Frank Yablons for having the courage and imagination to sell this film and make my mother rich. Charlie Bludorn for having the courage to finance films, which I guess borders on insanity. And Peter Bard who was a friend all the way through. Now, last thought. There's millions of people who sit out there and people who love film and want to make them that look at this and wonder what it's all about. America needs the motion picture business and the motion picture business needs the United States. Good audiences need good films as good films need good audiences. The American dream and what we all want for me at least, is represented by this. It's there for everybody if we want to work, dream, and try to get it. Thank you very much. And that's Albert S. Ruddy winning in 1973 for Best Picture for The Godfather. He would later win for Million Dollar Baby decades later. Now, what happened when it came to the acting? Here we go. Marlon Brando in The Godfather. Accepting the award for Marlon Brando and the Godfather, Miss Cassie Littlefeather. Hello, my name is Sashin Littlefeather. I'm Apache, and I'm president of the National Native American Affirmative Image Committee. I'm representing Marlon Brando this evening. And he has asked me to tell you 
in a very long speech, which I cannot share with you presently because of time, but I will be glad to share with the press afterwards that he very regretfully cannot accept this very generous award. And the reasons for this being are the treatment of American Indians today by the film industry, excuse me, and on television in movie reruns, and also with recent happenings at Wounded Knee. I beg at this time that I have not intruded upon this evening, and that we will, in the future, our hearts and our understandings will meet with love and generosity. Thank you on behalf of Marlon Brando. So I played that because even still to this day, people have issues with indigenous people because indigenous people were here first. I should know on my father's side, there's indigenous blood. A lot of Mexicans, we've got a lot of indigenous uh, uh, history in an inside of us. It, it, you know, there, there's so much to be said. And so Marlon Brando knew what he was doing when he sent Sashin Littlefeather up there to, to give that speech. And uh, a couple of months later on Dick Cavett, he talked about why he did that. Words night to do over again. Would you do any of that differently? Well... Uh, I, I don't think so, no. I felt that um, that there was an opportunity for, since the American Indian hasn't been able to hear his voice heard, or have his voice heard, anywhere in the history of the United States, uh, I felt that it was a marvelous opportunity for an Indian to be able to voice his opinion to 85 million people. I guess that was the number. And uh, I felt that he had a right to in view of what Hollywood has done to him. And uh, I was embarrassed for Shashin. She wasn't able to say what she intended to say. And uh, I was distressed that people should have booed and whistled and stomped, even though perhaps it was directed uh, at myself. They should have at least had the courtesy to listen to her. But uh, I think she did very well, and I was, uh, I was, I was very glad that she did have what opportunity she, she had to, to say what she did. And, uh, uh, why didn't you get to read your entire, your entire statement as you planned it? Well, I think that they felt that it was inappropriate. And um, I, I actually don't know. I, I think they just, they didn't want her there. And so that's the Dr. Zeus Film Podcast. 50 years of The Godfather. The events that happened during the making and after leading up to those academy awards that are forever etched because also that was also the night that cabaret won eight and godfather ended up winning best picture best director went to bob fossey for cabaret not francis ford coppola and then the next time that godfather 2 was up francis ford coppola won Godfather one and two are the only sequ- uh, two, uh, film, you know, from a trilogy ever to win Best Picture. It's been my pleasure of the Doctor Zeus Film Podcast to talk to you about this legendary film. As always, unpleasant dreams.